good morning, ladies. Okay, just out of curiosity, for any of you, does this feel early? For me, anything before like 9 or 10 a.m. is definitely a stretch because I am a self-proclaimed night owl. The people who know me know that you do not call or text Trisha before 9 a.m. Because A, I'm not going to like it. <laughs> but B, I'm probably not going to respond. And so that's just a little Trisha-ism. But for the people who know me even better, they know that you typically don't ask me to drive or be somewhere between 5.30 and say, oh, 7-ish p.m. Because you see, I have this little heart circulation condition known as POTS. And basically, by that time in the afternoon, I just can't get an adequate amount of blood up to my brain, which is kind of critical. Um, you need it. <laughs> and if for me, I could get dizzy. I could pass out. I could not remember things. And the bottom line is, I just don't feel good. So I'm kind of out of commission during that time of day. And so for me, it's really sweet when the people around me, if they're planning an event that involves me, they kind of factor that in. To me, that makes me feel known, and I appreciate that. But don't we all have our idiosyncrasies that make us feel known? I know I really pay attention when someone speaks the Trisha language. That means they're paying attention to something that really matters to me. And to know Trisha, it's the four Fs. It's the flowers. I like my flowers. It is fishing. I like my bass fishing. It is frosting. Enough said. <laughs> it is time with my family. Those are my four F's. So if you ever want to throw some love my way, you now have the recipe. That is what works. But don't we all enjoy being known? It makes us feel loved. And guys, as I've been studying Psalm 139 these last couple months, it really read as a love letter to me. So you might want to go on and open up your Bibles to Psalm 139 because we'll be reading several passages together. But the love aspect that I really noticed and that we're going to talk about today are, is twofold. We're going to talk about how God loves us thoroughly and we're going to talk about how God loves us always. Those are the two key places we'll go today. So let's start with the first one, with God loving us thoroughly. Um, beginning in the first three verses of Psalm 139, let's explore how that ties in here. Here we go. Oh, Lord, you have examined my heart and know everything about me. You know when I sit down or stand up. You know my thoughts even when I'm far away. You see me when I travel or when I rest at home. You know everything I do. That is God displaying his omniscience right there, him knowing everything. But when we think of all that focused on us, it's all out there, no secrets, everything. How does that make you feel? More often than not, we get one of two responses. Either first response, it makes you uncomfortable, you want to run, you want to hide, because there's probably something you're not feeling so good, maybe a little ashamed about that you've done, and you're trying to manage your story. Have y'all ever noticed that when a child tries to manage their story from their parents, it's actually kind of funny? Um, true story in my house. When my youngest was probably about three and a half or four years old, she had a ballet recital. And I don't know if you know, but they slick that hair back with a bunch of grease and, you know, it's really tight. And 
the day before the recital, I noticed this chunk sticking up right here on the top of her head. Her hair, why is her hair sticking up? So I kind of approached her. I'm like, sweetie, do you know what happened? Typical three-year-old response. I don't know. (laughs) Well, at some point today, did someone approach you with scissors in their hand? I don't know. (laughs) Well, were you with your head all day? (laughs) I mean, and by the way, that is a stock photo. It's not my real daughter. I couldn't find the picture. I'm sorry. I'm that mom. I forget sometimes. But the idea here is that children often try to hide from their parents when they've done the wrong thing. And we may not think about it deliberately, but as adults, don't we do that with God sometimes? And it's really not quite as funny when we do. Um, But actually, very often, we're this child. If I'm not acknowledging God, then he must not know what I'm doing. If I'm not praying to God, he must not know what I'm thinking. Basically, if I can't see you, God, you can't see me. Right? And these first three verses we just read together, it combats every one of those points. Verse 1, he knows everything. Verse 2, he knows what you're thinking. Verse 3, he knows what you're doing. And verses 7 through 11 really spent some time saying, hey, there's no effective way you can hide from God because he is everywhere. That is his omnipresence. God is everywhere. You can't hide from him. And so that being said, if God can see you and know you, this, if it doesn't make you uncomfortable that he knows you, then maybe the second response is yours. And that second response is him knowing it all might make you feel valued. To think that this big, powerful God of the universe is paying attention to little old me and the things that matter to me. So knowing all of this about us, how does God respond to our junk, basically, to knowing it all? Well, verse 17 in this chapter gives us some insight into that. Verse 17 says, How precious are your thoughts about me, O God. They cannot be numbered. Now, make no mistake, my friends, a holy God has no tolerance for our sinful ways, right? But as a person, as an individual, we're precious to him. He thinks about us all the time. We matter to him. And if we are honest, don't all of us have a desire deep inside to be fully known and yet still fully loved? It fills our cup like nothing else when God knows us and loves us. And so today, you know there's going to be a visual of Trisha's teaching. Uh, (laughs) I could not come up with a cup that was large enough for you to see in the back of the room. So this is the cup for filling our cup. But in essence, it's really our value and our self-worth. And so often, dear friends, we spend our time and energy trying to fill our cup with other things. For example, maybe this is you. Maybe your cup filler is work. And by golly, at work, you are going to stand out. You're going to put in the extra time. You're going to put in, have the overtime, best presentation. You're going to get that promotion you are going to just stand out at work, right? For some of us, 
maybe your cup filler is your kids. You're putting all of your energy into those little pumpkins. You are going to be the best room mother ever. You're going to be at that school so much, they're not going to know what to do with you. You're going to have the most epic birthday parties. You are going to make sure they're on the best teams with the best coaches. Look out on Motherland. All right, but for some of you, maybe your cup filler is that you want to be well-liked by a lot of people. You are going to be the first to bring that casserole, write that note of encouragement. Basically, your kind of goal and plan is you are going to people-please your way into the lives of so many people. Now, I don't know if you can see a whole lot from the back of the room here, but the bottom line is these fillers, at best, are merely temporary Because the things of this world can never really fill our cup. They may be good things in and of themselves, but if you're looking at them to fill your cup, it's not going to happen. And I don't know if you can tell, but there's not very much in this bucket right now. And if you really look, it's because there's a unique shaped hole in the bottom of this cup. For all of us, the one thing, the only thing that can fill our cup is that unique shaped God. And when we begin to put our time and our energy into our relationship with God, it is then that our cup will begin to fill. This is full up to here at this point. And the reason, ladies, don't miss it, the reason the cup feels full is because you were made to know God and to be known by God. Put your energy into your relationship with God because you were made to know God and to be known by God. All right. Now, when I mention a relationship with God, I want you to know I'm not talking about a checklist, but I am, (coughs) excuse me, talking about a relationship like you would have with your husband, father, brother, someone, in that you've got to put some time and energy into it, but yet you've got to do it with an open and expectant heart. It's not just a checklist item. And I want you to make sure you're clear that the God of the universe wants a relationship with little old you. And Excuse me, if you are unsure at all what I'm talking about when I say relationship with God, be sure, talk to your small group leader about it today. This is a safe and perfect place to ask those kind of questions. Because you see, today, this chapter, we are talking about intimacy. And as we begin to pursue intimacy with God, it is quickly going to reveal our intimacy barriers and our intimacy builders. And so let's first begin to talk about our intimacy barriers. An intimacy barrier is that which prevents us from communing closely with God. Really common sense, not too tricky. But remember, hey, if there is a distance between you and God, it's because we're the ones who have moved away, not him. James 4.8 clearly says, Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Now, is there a chance that one of your intimacy barriers is that you're like most people in North Dallas, and you are just too busy. 
you're distracted by the less valuable things. See also the story of Mary and Martha sitting at the feet of Jesus. Maybe you're like me. One of my big intimacy barriers is I like to check off the productive things on my list at the end of the day. And guess where I give a lot of my time and energy to pursue in that silly list? Or maybe you stay so busy just so you don't have to deal with your stuff. Busyness can be an intimacy barrier. Maybe your intimacy barrier is pride because, you know, you are really just fine the way you are. You're relying on yourself. You're getting by. You pray sometimes. You don't realize the problem. Maybe your intimacy barrier is that you're ashamed to go to God. We talked about the hiding child but also, the very first people to try and run and hide for God, Adam and Eve in the garden in Genesis 3. And it wasn't very effective for them, just like it isn't effective for us. But maybe your intimacy barrier is that it just doesn't feel urgent. It's not on fire, and it's not screaming at you like the kids that need to go to soccer practice or the pantry that needs food in it. So it just doesn't get your time because you're chasing that tyranny of the urgent. But ladies, when we address our intimacy barriers and realize, hey, if they're sucking up all of our time and our priorities, then we can refocus and start taking, excuse me, start taking deliberate steps toward the intimacy builders. And this is the key. If you're gonna zone in on nothing else I say today, let's pay attention to the intimacy builders. The intimacy builders are those things which draw us closer to God. And some of them will be universal, and some of them will be tailored to your unique temperament. In other words, one size will not fit all. Now, I will tell you, most of us, first builder, we almost all require a certain degree of stillness in order to focus in on the Lord and not pay attention to the distractions. So scheduling a little stillness can be a great thing. But maybe one of your unique intimacy builders is music. Maybe you like to sing. Maybe you like to dance. Maybe you like to listen to praise music. It just takes you into the throne room. I'm seeing some nodding heads here. Maybe for some of you, your intimacy builder involves a sunset or a mountaintop or sitting by the lake. Nature can be a huge intimacy builder because it connects you with the creator. That's one of mine. Maybe, for example, an intimacy builder for you could be a physical activity like jogging or running because it helps you to clear your mind and just focus in. I truly laugh on this one because I'm going, I cannot fathom. I'd just be thinking, am I done breathing? I'm, I can't. No, it does not connect me with God. Unholy thoughts, you know. Um, but for some of you, I have a daughter who's that way. Um, but maybe an intimacy builder, and this one is pretty universal, is confession and prayer. Confession and prayer. It removes that wall between you and God. And more often than not, think about this. If you haven't journaled or prayed a confession in a while, try it and see if it doesn't affect your closeness with God. And really, my very deliberate challenge to all of us today is to pick an intimacy builder either one you haven't done in a while or maybe one that's brand new and implement it this week. Get it in your date book some way, somehow. And while we would all love to, let's go chase a mountaintop in Colorado, <laughs> um, maybe it's going to be something simple like you're going to go for a drive by yourself, find a back road, turn off your phone, 
turn on some praise music and have no other plan in mind than I'm just going to drive and talk to God for 15 minutes. Simple, right? There's ways to make it happen if you purpose it. Because no matter where you lean, know that God knows us. He knows all about us. And yet he loves us thoroughly. Not only does he love us thoroughly, but we're also going to see, ladies, that he loves us always. And that's our second point today. God loves us always. Let's take a look at scripture in the verses 13 through 16a and discover what this is about. Here's what, how it reads. Join me. You made all the delicate inward parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Guys, this verse, these verses, they describe a life, a person with a soul that is intimately seen and known by the God of the universe. This is not describing a mass of cells nor a sterile fetus, but it's describing a person. And I'll be very straight with you. I know abortion is a hot topic in our culture today and in our country. But I also want you to know, Watermark, me, the rest of the team here, we're not here to shame you, to make you feel guilty or less than. If for some reason that is a part of your story, hear me so clearly say, God still sees you, he still knows you, thinks about you all the time, and he still loves you. Hear that, know that. But it would be a disservice to us if I I did not speak honestly about how God accurately views life in the womb. We can see very clearly from these scriptures, he watches that life as it's being formed, knows everything about it, knows what it will be one day. He sees its value and it grieves God deeply when one of those lives is taken. So God's perspective, this life matters. And I want to take a moment and I want to share a story of a friend of ours here at Watermark who has lived these verses in a very beautiful and healthy way. Let me tell the story of Lisa Sims and Brett Sims. At the, I, I, I interviewed her, so a lot of what I'm going to be saying is a reflection of that interview. But at the time this story began, Lisa and Brett had two great children. They were six years old, four years old, and they were wanting a third child. So they were delighted when baby number three came along. You will find out that at week 15 in the pregnancy, Lisa discovered, or they discovered, that this child would have Down syndrome. They also just said, she, Lisa told me she was the pregnancy just kept getting more and more complicated. At week 20, they learned that this baby would need a very serious heart surgery at some point. And then to make things even more complicated, she developed gestational diabetes later on in the pregnancy. Lisa said it was just overwhelming. And, I, you know, I said, this was not an easy process, right? And she said, oh, heavens no. She goes, I was shocked. It felt, I just couldn't believe it. It didn't feel fair to me. I wondered, can I even do this? And she said, quite honestly, I was mad at God. Have any of you ever had those kind of feelings over a difficult circumstance in your life? 
Well, I asked Lisa, I said, okay, you had to wrestle through this. So how did you wrestle through this? And she said, I spent a lot of time, a ton of time confessing to my community group where she could be honest, authentic, open. And yet there are people who would point her back to truth. And she said, one of her biggest challenges is that when I would hear these concerns and things that could go wrong, I created what I called my journal of lies, where I would just start writing down the lies And next to it, I would write the truth, what God's word said about it. And she said, if I got stuck, my community group helped me work on each one so much so that when it was time to deliver the baby, there was nothing on her list. It was clear and she was fine. She was at peace with it. Um, She also told me, she said, hey, I focused, I chose deliberately to focus on truth And one of the key truths for her was found in John 9, 1 through 3. And this is basically where they're asking Jesus, hey, why why was this man born blind, kind of with a disability? And the answer provided there was, for the glory of God. And that is where Lisa began to rest. She said, Shiloh, that's her sweet little girl, Shiloh's life would be for the glory of God. Because God knew Shiloh would have downs. God knew the very number of hairs on that darling's head. God knew whether her life would be long or short. And Lisa said she could rest in it because God knew. And I said, okay, three years in, evaluate today. What's it like? And she said, it changed my life. She said, it changed my family's life. I knew I couldn't look at you. Um, It changed our friends. She said, we have a higher level of joy than we ever had before. We have a deeper dependence on the Lord that we've ever had before. And basically, when I hung up the phone, there was no doubt in my mind that this child was the sweetest gift to this family. And so, like Lisa, does it give you comfort to know that God knows all the days of your life and those of your loved ones? I will honestly tell you what blew me away even more was the complete version of verse 16. I'm going to look at that with you here right now. It says, Lord, you saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. That's from the New Living Translation. It used the term moment, and that grabbed me because that's what's written in his book or in his scroll. He didn't just know your days. He knew your moments. That's where life happens, the moments. And I will tell you, he knows the positive ones, like the day that fellow would propose to you, or maybe the day you would land that job, make the volleyball team, score the winning goal, those fun moments. Maybe the moment you held that precious child for the first time. But you know, life is not always so Instagram shiny. There are challenging moments as well, and God knows those challenging moments. He knows when you're going to receive that medical diagnosis, that is not favorable news. He knows the moments when you're going to feel utterly alone. He knows the moments when your heart would be broken by that unworthy boy or that unfaithful man. He knew the day you would say goodbye to your dog of 13 years, the one that saved your daughter's life. That's our Missy. We said goodbye to her this spring. That broke my heart. He knew every one of your moments before even one of them had happened. And I want you to take just a very quick listen. Our brother Micah Tyler says it this way. No matter where I am, oh, I am 
I listen to this on repeat always. It's so good. Ladies, there's never been a moment he hasn't seen or a moment he hasn't cared about you from the very beginning of your life in your mother's womb till today and on into the future. Our God has loved us always. And now I do want to take a quick side note. As you move further along into verses 19 to 22, we see a stark contrast between love and hate. As David starts going into hating on the enemies of God in a really strong way. And I want to make a couple just quick notes for you. Note, first of all, these are not his personal enemies that have wronged him per se, but they're enemies of God. And he is really concerned about the honor of God. And he, it has bothered him deeply that they have rejected God and chose to pursue evil, wicked, and blasphemous things. That's where all this righteous indignation is coming from. So kind of keep that in mind as you're going over those verses. But from my two cents to you, don't be like those who rejected God. Be those that look up in worship. And when you're looking up in worship... For me, I would encourage you to envision his eyes looking right back at you because you know he's loved you thoroughly and you know he's loved you always. But what if today you're sitting here and you go, Trish, this all sounds so good, but I'm having a hard time accepting God's love. I want you to talk about it in your small group today. What if you are struggling with your intimacy with God? Most of us do at one point or another. I would encourage you to share that with the ladies in your group today. Or what if maybe there has just been a painful situation that's got you stuck and you're just, you don't know how to move forward in your relationship with God? Talk to these ladies today. That is what we are here for together because that's real life. And I'm going to end us with verses 23 and 24 in David's prayer. But just keep in mind, this is starting out with, Lord, know all of me. I'm not hiding from you. And I want... Our hearts in that place as we pray this before we leave. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Pour out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. That's my prayer for you. Have a great week of worship. Thank you. 